Hello, hello, hello. This is Truth Be Told. Uh, this is Dr. Walter Aka, and I have the pleasure, the honor of having doc, uh, student doctor Eli Hilaire on here. Uh, let me just let me just go ahead and say something, man. Look, I've been following the, this this gentleman's uh, journey for 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 a while. You know, pre pre dental student. You know, when he had the glimmer of dentistry in his eyes, and he was excited about just even getting getting uh, accepted. You know, uh, he's uh, he's in Boston University right now. Uh, he's, you know, if you follow him on Instagram, which I recommend doing, uh, he he definitely kind of puts you through his whole entire lifespan. He goes through everything that he's going through as a dental student. And so for me, I wanted to bring you on so that you could kind of tell us that journey and how it's been. Because, you know, if anybody listens to the podcast, they know that I truly believe that when you graduate, you're 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 not dangerous, but you're 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 also not to that level where I would feel comfortable, right? <laughs> Having you do a full mouth rehab, right? Dental school teaches you enough so you're not dangerous, right? So I wanted to talk to you to see if, if one, if you agree with me. If you don't, that's okay. I'm not, I wouldn't be mad at you. I want to make sure that you can talk to our listeners, the pre-dental students, the dental students who may be able to understand what you're going through. I want to kind of get an idea of everything that goes through, because for us, you know, when patients see us, they think, oh, we're uh, this, you know, above above other people. and But we're normal people. We go through normal t- stuff. You were just saying before we uh, started recording how tired you are, <laughs> you know, and people don't realize how much effort and energy you put through just trying to get your doctorate. OK, but let's just start from the beginning, man. Yo, Eli, go ahead and just let me know. Just give me your history. Give me a little short you know, bio of how you got here. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll start at like college. Um, I started college at University of Maryland, College Park, when I was 17. Really had no idea what I wanted to do, but I knew I was pretty good at math and science. And my parents were kind of just like, you should major in biology and try to be a doctor. So I was like, okay. Um, I was pretty interested in sports. So my first idea was sports doctor or like a sports team's doctor. Okay. Um, that's kind of the only thing I wanted to do in medicine. And um, after a while, I realized that it kind of just wasn't worth all that work you have to go through. In in the case of, you know, orthopedic surgery is a very competitive specialty to match in. And I felt like if it came down to me being a third year medical student and still feeling, one, unsure about if that was the route I wanted to take, and two, God forbid, if I like didn't match into the specialty I wanted, I'd probably be miserable. Um, and so after college, I was still pre-med, um, and I, my grades weren't the best in college. So when I graduated, I knew I needed a gap year, maybe multiple. And, um, my first idea was to start doing research. So I started working at NIH in like a post-bac research program they have there. Um, it gave us a small uh, I guess you could call it a stipend. I think it was like 30K a year, some, something around that. Um, and so since that was my first big boy job, I decided my first investment would to go would, would be to go back and get braces for the second time. Um, okay. So I had like kind of a crazy, not really that crazy, but like um, my braces journey wasn't the easiest. Like I had a, a big gap when I was younger. I had braces in middle school. Uh, when I got my braces off, I told my orthodontist, like, I didn't think my retainer was working. And then my orthodontist, rec- well, not recommended, but basically said, you need a phrenectomy. And obviously, I didn't know what that was. Um, but, you know, after doing some research, I figured out what happened. And then, um, you know, later on in life, I started to think, you know, I don't know if this guy was that competent if it took him that long to tell me that I needed a phrenectomy. But that's neither here or there. Um, when I decided to go back and get braces, I went to the same office, but it was a new orthodontist working there. Um, she was the first black healthcare provider I had in my entire life. Um, she's a Howard graduate and, um, you know, she kind of just changed my whole mind about like dentistry and, um, you know, it just, it just got me intrigued. It just, allow me to open my mind and explore other routes considering I had already graduated with this biology degree. 
I'm in the midst of trying to figure out what I'm going to do. Um, I think when I got my braces, I was already studying for the MCAT. So I was just kind of like in this random, like, I, I forget the word I'm looking for, but it's just kind of like a limbo, not knowing what I was um, really going to do when I got let my me, braces off. Let me, let me stop you right now, Eli, real quick. So you talked about not having the best grades, right? Mm -hmm. There's two questions I have for that is one, why didn't you just give up? I mean, you didn't have the best grade, right? Anytime you talk to anybody, you know, they'll tell you, oh, you need to have a 3-9 and, and, and this perfect score on the MCATs or this perfect score in the DATs. And so why didn't you just give up? I mean, that, that would have been the easy way to go. Just stick with NIH. I mean, researchers do an incredible job. Yeah, um, I think, number one, I'm the kind of person that, like, when I put out in the atmosphere that I'm going to do something, then like there's no turning back after that. Like, especially if other people know, like if someone in college knew that I was majoring in biology and I wanted to be a doctor, now I gotta be a doctor because I'm a man of my word and that's it. That's but did, did anybody tell you that you couldn't do it? Oh, with your course. grades, with I your mean, grades? Yeah, yeah, I mean, when I first started dental school, I actually posted a uh, screenshot of an email. Like the first post that I made when I got my official school scrubs, I took a picture in front of the uh, the sign, the school sign, and I posted a screenshot from uh, one of my professors, um, sophomore year of college. So I had asked this professor to write me a letter of recommendation for uh, what's now known as CHPEP. Um, when I did, it was called SMDEP, but it's essentially a summer enrichment program for pre-meds and pre-dents that are minorities. Um, and so I asked him to, to write me a letter of recommendation. You know, I took him for a science class and I got a B plus in this class. Like I said, my grades weren't great. I think at this time I had a 2.9 overall GPA. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I asked him to write that letter of recommendation. And he basically responded to me like, I don't know what you're doing in like college right now, but you should be seriously concerned about your grades. And if I, I looking at your grades, my concern is whether you'd ever get into med school. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, I didn't really ask you that. I just asked you to write a letter of recommendation for a summer program, but you know, it's cool. I'm I'm gonna get it either way. Just move around and I'll I'll find someone else. That's what I did. And I ended up doing the summer program. And after that, it was kind of just like, I'll prove him wrong. I I mean, I never forgot about it, but I knew he wasn't he wasn't the person that's gonna determine whether I whether or not I get in a professional school. He never did it. He wasn't a doctor. So, I mean, who is he to even tell me what I can or can't do, you know? Eli, so. Eli, Eli, I love it. You know why I say that? Because the same thing happened to me. You know, I went to go, when I was applying for dental school, I asked one of the professors to write me a letter and they said the same thing. They were like, oh, your grades aren't that good. Uh, I would highly recommend uh, you think about something else. And I said, okay, well, I'll just do it myself. So I went around, found another professor that would do it. And and like you said, my grandmother always told me, no one can ever tell you what you can and can't do. It's up to you to decide what you can and can't do, you know? And so that was something that motivated me for the longest time. And I wish I actually had that letter that lady wrote to me, you know? And it was, it was I went to University of Pittsburgh. So it was at the... Um, uh, it was the board that would write, you know, the board that would write the letter yeah, yeah. for everybody. The yeah, letter. they basically, yeah, the committee. They said, "Nope, we're not doing it for you." And I wish I would have gotten, I would have had that letter. I mean, how how good did it feel whenever you got into dental school and you had that letter and you were able to compare the two and say, "I I've, I've I've done it," despite the naysayer, I did it. How did that feel? Honestly, it felt great. But to be to be really to be completely honest, it kind of slipped my mind. Like it, it wasn't really at the forefront of my mind. Until I took that picture and I was like, you know, I want to inspire people with this post. So I'm just going to search for my email because I know he's not the only one. It's not going to be hard to find one that said that I couldn't do it. So I just went and looked and he was the one I, I came across and I was like, oh, yeah, because he was the first. I will say he was the first, but he wasn't the only one. OK, so I was like, oh, yeah, this is a good one right here, especially well because he laid it out just like that in the email. So. Wow. So let me ask you something. You said something else, too, that was very intriguing. You told me that, you know, you saw black orthodontist and that motivated you to start thinking that maybe dental was the path that you want to go on. Mm. 
how important do you think it is to have representation? Because some people say, oh, why do you need representation? If you want to do something, you're going to do it despite people's skin color, da, 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 da. And, and to be honest, again, this is truth be told. So let's be real honest. Representation matters from a scale of one to 10. How, how much does representation matter when it comes to somebody like yourself looking and saying, can I be in this profession? 40. 40. There <laughs> it, it is. The scale. I mean, like, I I started clinic in dental school in the beginning of August. So it's been around two and a half months. I have at least five experiences already where I can tell you how seeing someone like me in the clinic has directly impacted somebody's level of care. I mean, just offhand, uh, my school has the DMD program, the four-year DMD program, as well as an advanced standing program for uh, foreign trained dentists that are coming to the United States to be dentists. And that's a two-year program. And even uh, one day I was assisting one of them in the clinic. They were explaining uh, treatment to the patient. Um, the patient was a black man. He was around uh, his late thirties probably. And I could see that he was visibly getting frustrated. You know, things at school move very slow, but also, Sometimes there's a lapse in communication. People forget when they're talking to patients that they don't speak dental jargon. You can't just throw a bunch of dental terms at a patient and just, you know, this is the, the vocabulary that runs through your mind because you're in school mode all day. But if you don't know how to turn that off switch, your patients aren't going to be able to relate to you. So honestly, she said a whole bunch of stuff to the patient and walked away. And I, I like I could tell the patient was pissed. So I literally just sat down next to him, pulled my mask down. And I said, do you want me to re-explain that to you in a way that I know you would understand? And he was like, yeah, I explained it to him just like how I would just a regular. Like if I was talking to one of my friends at home, no dental jargon, clear terms. You know, I might have thrown, thrown a little slang in there, but, you know, I got to relate to my patients. But night and day difference between his response to her and his response to me. And at the end of the day, he left happy, even though he got no work done. He was there for the whole three hour appointment and got no work done. He still left satisfied. So that's just one of many experiences that I've had in my brief time in the clinic that goes to show how important it is to have a representation in the dental field. Let's talk about this as well, then. So when we talk about representation, you know, in my class, my dental school class, there was only three of us, three black students. OK, uh, the year before the year before me. So the people that graduated in 2008 had zero. The year before them, 2007, had four. So at perspective, what, um, how many students were in the class? Like, uh, beautiful question. School? Each class had 80 students. So we made up a fraction of a fraction, you know, and then we knew there was, you know, so within the school in a four year school. So, uh, you know, out of 320 students, we might have made up eight to 10 black students. And that's the totality of not including specialists or anything, just the totality, just including the students. And from, you know, first all the way to fourth year. Uh, and so, you know, how lonely that could be. And it's kind of the same, right? Whenever you're going through dental school, I'm sorry, whenever you're going through undergrad and you go and you get higher and higher and, you know, first you start biology, then you get cut off, then you're organic chem, then you're biochem. The higher you go up, the less you see of us, right? Yeah, right. So, so, so talk about your school uh, and how many black students you have and how many minorities you have, right? And how that kind of affects basically the, the environment and the learning um so my class has the same amount of black students as your class did <laughs> out of 109 we are at now we started with four and the total class was 117 so um the numbers haven't changed much from when you were in dental school um i would say we have more at my school in total um but the average is about five per class every class starts with 117 um yeah same thing like I attended a PWI for undergrad so you know especially I don't know maybe it was just my school but when you're in those pre-med 
classes, I would just call them pre-med, but they're really like pre-health classes. Um, but when you're in undergrad, you're in those pre-med classes. Not only are you a minority if you're black, but at least in my school, if you were a male, that was the minority. If there were black people in your class, if there were 10 black people in your science class, eight of them were women. I don't know if it was like that when you were in undergrad, but it it was for me and it was consistent. And as as the years went on, I don't even know this guy's name, but I know I would see him in every science class I took. And I know he was the only other black guy in my <laughs> class. Um, and even now, I like whenever I'm home, sometimes I'll go to my old barbershop around school and I'll see him in there. I don't really know what he's up to, but um, the numbers have always been small. And I feel like that's just, you know, one of the reasons why I continue to share my journey on social media. I really only share a lot on Instagram to kind of direct people to my YouTube channel. But, um, you know, on my YouTube channel, I share everything. I vlog. I, I, I do a lot on there. So I think it's important just to put yourself out there because I know when I was an undergrad, seeing just one other black male in my class that I may not even get the chance to really sit down and talk to and form a relationship with. It may be easier for me to go online and type in black dental students or, or black doctor because that's what I did. And that's how I found Dr. Antonio Webb. And that's basically who was carrying me through my undergrad as I watched his YouTube videos when I was pre-med. Um, and sometimes it's just that easy, especially now that we're in the generation of social media and the Internet. And it's even more prominent after COVID. Um, so. I don't know if I. No, 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 that's actually, that's, that, listen, what you said is exactly correct, right? There isn't a lot of us and whatever you can do to get the word out, which actually brings me to the next question. You are very active with you. You you have a podcast, you have a YouTube page, you're, you're basically vlogging, you're doing a lot. One, how do you have time? Two, <laughs> two, what do you hope to get out of doing all that? Because you guys are a whole different breed than when we when when I was a dental student. I mean, when I was a dental student, we barely we barely had Facebook. Right now, yeah. you guys have. I mean, I'm not trying to. You, know, you don't have to agree with me. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to agree with me. You could have just kept quiet. But <laughs> you know, we we barely had social media, right? But now you guys are so active. You're so active in with, with using social media and so forth. So talk about that. And then also talk about the whole brand sponsorship, because I believe you had a sponsorship with that. So how is this looking and, and why is this something that I'm seeing a lot more from your generation? Um. So, oh, that was a long question. I forgot to begin. Yeah, let me break it down. No, no, no. It. So first question is, how do you have time to do the vlog, the YouTube, the podcast and everything? And then two, your mindset and your generation's mindset is to utilize social media for sponsorship okay, yeah. and so forth. So talk about both mm -hmm. of them if you can. Yeah. So number one, um, I've been getting that question for like, uh, I guess, three years now or two years since I started dental school. They don't really have an answer. Um, honestly, like I just... I just do it. Like, I, I don't really think too much of it. Um, I don't know. I just, whenever I'm chilling, I'll just edit. I don't really have to do much extra to record except for go to school and live my life. How I regularly would. I just have to bring a camera with me. Um, sometimes, you know, I'll go above and beyond and that, that'll require me to be at school on Saturday or, I mean, I was on school. I was at school both Saturday and Sunday this past weekend, but because I want to create videos. I help out at school. I'm on the admissions team. I do the orientation week, all that stuff. Um, so I just make the time. I mean, there's time to do a lot of stuff, but you have to be very organized. And that's that's one of my strong suits. I'm, I'm organized and I manage my time well. I use a planner like it's a Bible. And that just allows me to do the things that I need to do and stay on top of school. Um, as far as like the goals with... Uh, the content creation and YouTube. Um, I mean, it's honestly, it's never really been about me, like the sponsorships and stuff. Like that's great. Especially when you're in dental school and you don't really have time to work a real job when you can get some money on the side, that's always great. But I mean, like same thing I mentioned about like how I needed that when I was an undergrad, that's kind of the only thing that really drives me. And I think like, when I was applying to dental school, I realized that, you know, one of the reasons that 
people that look like me may not really be looking into dentistry is because they make finances a big barrier as far as one schools being ninety thousand plus dollars in tuition per year, but two, just the price to apply to dental school is ridiculous. I think I spent twenty five hundred dollars to apply to twelve schools. I mean, you got the ad fast fee that's charging you two hundred fifty dollars for the first school and a hundred plus dollars for every school you add on. Then you think that's done and you got to send each individual school money instead of like the secondary applications like med schools do. They just want your money. They just want some secondary money. So um, with the YouTube, I decided that whatever money I make from YouTube, I'm going to start a scholarship with. And eventually the goal is to grow because there is a lot of money on YouTube. The, the goal is to be able to grow the scholarship to be actually able to pay for someone like a year's tuition of someone's dental schooling. But in last year, in my second year, which was my first, I think I monetized my channel around this time last year in October. So uh, for the application cycle, for last year's application cycle, I did like a pre-dental scholarship and I paid for five applications from uh, money from YouTube. So that's kind of just the goal, like just increase, just, you know, do my part in helping increase the representation. And all I got to do is kind of show my face on the Internet and whatever money I get from people supporting me, I just pour it back into my community. Let me just let me just pause. I got to sit on that for a little bit. I got to just sit there because <laughs> you're very unusual. If I have to be honest, you're very unusual because you're not because this generation, everybody thinks they're all about themselves. And you said something that I don't think I've ever heard your generation say, which is whatever money I make monetized, right? Because it's about you doing all the hard work from YouTube. You're going to then turn around and give it to the people behind you so that they can actually get to where you are because you realized, and I 100% agree with you, when I was applying for school, that was the hardest part was finding money to apply to school, finding money to get to the school. I remember actually I interviewed at BU and I stayed at a hostel, hostel, um, you know, uh, it was almost like before Airbnb, you know, it was basically a room with like four bunk beds and I just slept in there and I said, okay, cool. I I'm going to go to my, you know, I couldn't afford to get uh, stay at a hotel. And this was the cheapest I could think of. I think it was like 40 bucks a night. And I stayed there and then I had to walk, you know what I mean? To my interview that day. And it was, it was not, it was not warm. <laughs> it was yeah. not warm at BU. Yeah. I'm, I'm be honest with you. And I remember it was around, Halloween. And so like people were just, you know, all, all over the place, Harvard and all those that you guys make, yeah. you guys do it big, but yeah. you know, let's talk about that, man. Why are you even taking the time to, to start a scholarship to take that money that you made because you can clearly use it. Let's be real. It's expensive. Dental school <laughs> is not paying you a lot. <laughs> like yeah, you no, are yeah. not making it big. And if you are, let me know what you're doing right so that I could I could pass along to other students. But right. for you to say, hey, I'm going to take that money and I'm going to give it to somebody or uh, start a scholarship. That's impressive for someone your age and to think that way. And I'm not trying to be, you know, be disrespectful, but you're young compared to me. Right. So yeah. so to think of that is incredible. So what made you want to do that and why? Why not just wait until you're done with school and then do that? Um. So I guess two things like uh, I was fortunate. I, I consider myself fortunate. I mean, I got the chance to apply during COVID. I didn't have to pay to fly to interviews. I was getting unemployment checks because I started working at Best Buy a month before they started furloughing us. Um, so I luckily didn't have to scramble for money to apply to dental school, but I also have the awareness to realize that not everyone is as fortunate and some people might want it more than I did. Um, and why should they be at a disadvantage because of finances when that's already the black person's disadvantage in America, to be honest. Um, and two, I mean, it's the same reason I started my my um, YouTube channel when, I mean, I have, I'm in a fraternity and three, three people in my chapter that crossed, like while I was in undergrad are, one's in his fourth year of dental school, 
one's a general dentist and one just finished his endo residency. So I literally had, when I decided I was going to switch from pre-med to pre-dent, I basically had all the steps laid out in front of me, a red carpet rolled out for me to know exactly what to do. I knew what to use to study for, for the um, DAT. I luckily had the money to pay for that. I knew what schools I had a better chance at applying to because of whatever resources I could look to find out what their average GPA was or their average DAT that they accepted was. And I had all this information that I was just blessed to receive, but it's out there for everyone to, to see it. Some people just don't know where to look and they don't have someone that they could just ring, call up and ask, Hey, what should I do about this? So I said, I'm just going to put it out there the same way that I went online and looked for it. It's the same way someone else is going to. And if I can help them find the information that they need or just give them some moral support or just someone to look up to when they just think, oh, like my undergrad journey is super hard. I'm tired of studying for Orgo. And then they might go on YouTube and look for a dental school vlog just to see what dental school is like, just to see the light at the end of the tunnel if you want to consider dental school the light. I'm sure it's an undergrad. Someone thinks it's the light, but no, it is the <laughs> it's light. not the it light, the light. <laughs> quite yet. <laughs> it's, listen, um, it's the light because that's how I felt when I was an undergrad student. I would see the dental students in their scrubs and I would think, my God, man, they've made it. You know, they have, they, they, they're, they're where I want to be. And so by seeing that, you're absolutely correct. That is the light, man. So don't think any different. Can you let us know the, the name of the YouTube, the blog, whatever it may be? So people, and yeah. then repeat it if you have to. A student, Doctor Eli. That's it. If you type it up, um, I'll be right there. <laughs> simple, simple. Student, yeah. Doctor Eli. Hey, you I'm know, still Eli, trying to figure out what I'm gonna do with the name, like when I graduate, because I do plan on, you know, taking it, you know, keep to it. a dentist, and keep it, doing day in the life of a dentist, because that'll help even more. Once people start seeing like the dentist life and the what I would consider the light at the end of the tunnel. It would help not only undergrads, but current dental students as well. So I got to think of what I'm going to end up changing it to. But for now, it's student listen, doctor. <laughs> listen, listen, student doctor tells you where your origin story was, right? Where, where you, the origin story. So let's continue this path. You know, yeah, it's okay. Maybe you, just keep it. Listen, you should. You know what? Being a doctor is overrated. Student doctor yeah. sounds a lot better anyway, <laughs> you know? Hey, let me ask oh, you this. Right? So you're in school and you get to help out. You're on the admissions board, I believe is what you said, right? Uh, Yeah, it's something like that. Right. I don't want to say it's the admissions board, but it's like the admissions team. I'll say right. that. Right. You get to walk around with the students when they come and toward yeah, the exactly. school and so forth, right? Mm -hmm. um, were you asked to do that? And then here's the next question, because I was also on there as well. Um. Do, did, did it feel more like, okay, well, we have this black student who's excellent, so let's use them, make him the face of the school so we don't look as bad for, for minority uh, enrollment and so forth. Did you, is, that, right. is that like the vibe that you're getting? And if, if that's the case, it's okay because that's the vibe I got, but I use that to my advantage. Right. So um, I'll say this. I felt like the reason that they asked me is because um, number one, because of my YouTube channel, like it's no secret to my school or anybody at school that I have a YouTube channel. All the professors know, all the administrations know, they all give me com compliments about it, et cetera. Um, so obviously that, you know, people see me online. A lot of people see me online and come to the school and say, I've watched your videos or they'll tell whoever they're interviewing with, They'll write me on their application. I mean, I've heard it all. My One of the deans at my school, I just saw him on Sunday and he was like, I was just in California and someone brought up your channel to me. So um, it's not only that, but also uh, after my first year, so like for the class under mine and also the current first years, um, I served as an orientation ambassador. So I'm like one of the orientation leaders during their orientation week. People see me during their first week of school which is also helpful because they've already seen me on YouTube or whatever. Um, and that's something I actually had to apply for. Um, but yeah, they asked me to do the admissions thing and I figured, well, I already do all this other stuff. So that's probably why. And yeah, I mean, out of the admissions team that we have of students, there is 
I would say there is a disproportionate amount of Black students on the admissions team compared to what the school looks like. So I feel like, I, I mean, we can all say, obviously, we know why they do that. At least me and yeah. you do. Well, you um, know, I will say that I think, so almost to try to help them out a little bit, uh, because, I, you know, same thing in Pittsburgh, um, but to help them out, they're basically saying, hey, let's shine the light on the positive, right? Because I'm sure the schools get so much negativity from, look at your minority enrollment. It's horrible, uh-huh. right? So for them, it's like, we need to basically bring forth the 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 good, the people who have made it and are doing well like yourself, mm-hmm. you see? So from their point of view, I can see where they're like, we need to put them in the front, <laughs> in the forefront. Yeah. We we can't put like, you know, if we had to do, you know, ratio, we had to do a percentage ratio, it'll probably be like for every like 10, you know, you know, uh, white, Caucasian, non-Hispanic group or whatever it may be, there would be one black or one minority. And that, that just mm-hmm. won't look right. So for, for yeah. you know, for for uh, just the look of it, it's going to be that way. And it's going to continue to be that yeah. way. But use that to your advantage. It, you, your name oh, yeah. is out there. Your face is out there. I can guarantee you, you've made some kind of magazine to school. Or, or... Yep, it's right. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I got about five I, copies of this one right here. My man. The uh, first page I opened it up to. There it is. <laughs> there it is. It, I got it on my wall. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> It's 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 amazing to me to see um <laughs> the the same the same uh, uh we'll call it political well I'm sorry we'll call it uh, um PR <laughs> yeah that every school uses so it's all good it's all good but Let's I will talk- say well, I'm sorry really go ahead quick really quick I will say I don't completely put the schools at fault no. I used to think that way. But, you know, when I started the YouTube channel, one of my very first videos was how I got into dental school with a low GPA. And one of the resources that I pointed people to was the Adia Dental School Explorer, which lets you look at every school's stats. Literally, you get to see the exact average GPA of the last class they accepted, DAT score. You get to see the demographics of who applied. You get to see the demographics of the entire application pool. And what I noticed is, the school on, I think the accepted students, it was somewhere between three and 4% black, but out of the applicants, it's only five to 6% black. So they already have a tiny pool to work with. And once you, when you're talking five, 6% of what is around like 2000 applicants, a little more than 2000, maybe let's say like 3000 applicants a, a cycle, you're looking at like 300 black people. I literally think the number was around 300 um, in the last uh, cycle that I looked at. Now you take Howard and Meharry, now you're down to 200. Then you take Tufts, you take Maryland. These These schools are all way more diverse and way more attractive to someone of our background than a Boston University. That's just honesty. And of course, people are going to go where they see more people that look like them. So what do you do? You put more people that look like them on these admissions boards when they come to visit the school, et cetera, because what else can you do? You're competing with schools that people walk in and the entire student body looks like them. And you're already competing for a small number that I honestly think my school is doing their best. I mean, besides handing out full scholarships, it's hard to compete. It's hard to compete with a school where people walk in and see someone that looks exactly like them everywhere they turn. Eli, let me ask you this, man. Do you think that dentistry is doing a horrible job of promoting themselves to underserved minority students? Yes. I think dentistry does a horrible job of promoting themselves in general. <laughs> and I think, I mean, like, I think that speaks to, I'm sure it was the same for you, but out of 115 people in my class, at least 40 to 50 have a direct relative that's a dentist. And we know why. I mean, like you go on Google and you see the average salary of a dentist is $150,000. And I know people blowing that out the water with their first job out of graduation, no residency. But the people that do know are the people who have a mom, a dad, an uncle, a cousin that's a dentist. 
and most of them aren't black. <laughs> like, yeah. They're, yeah. They're, those aren't the black students. Even me, I have a cousin that's a dentist. Granted, I I really never talked to her about dentistry until after I switched. So it wasn't that big of an influence, but that even goes to show like I had access to information that people can't just go and find and dentistry isn't really promoting, oh, we make a lot of money because it's not necessarily that. But a lot of dentists do make a lot of money and a lot of dentists are very well off. But people don't know that because they think, oh, four years of undergrad, four years of uh, dental school to make an average of 150K for the rest of my life. When I mean, I don't, I don't know if I've met a dentist that makes that yet. Unless <laughs> you they're, mean, yeah, I don't to know. make more. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it is the average, right? I mean, that includes it everybody. It, you know, um, right. I, I will, I want to ask you. You know, it's it's so funny that you bring that up because if you look at just what's what's popping, what's hot, right? If you go on Instagram and you see all the people, right? It's I'm an influencer this, I'm on YouTube and I'm making all this stuff. And then when you actually look at it, they're not making that much compared to dentists. They're probably making less than what dentists are making. Right. But there's no dentist that's really like out there. Look at my car, look at my house, look at my, and do you think that that might be what <laughs> like the ADA or other dentists should start doing basically becoming influencers in the sense that they just start putting their money out there, their business out there. Like would that attract more students to be dentists. I I mean, like, I don't think it's what they should do, but I think <laughs> it would. I think it would attract people. I think people get online and they see they see. I mean, one of the first dentists I saw on Instagram was Dr. Daniel Rubenstein. Um, and he's yeah. in he's in, in New York. NYU, right? Yeah. yeah. And you know, I saw him on YouTube and I'm like, oh, he's he's meeting all these celebrities, he's fixing celebrities smiles, he's hooping at the Chris Brickley gym in New York, he's going to the Knicks games, like. He's he may not show you what kind of car he drives or what kind of house he lives in, but he's showing you that flashy lifestyle that draws you to the profession. Um, and he's not the only one. I mean, there's plenty out there. There's Dr. Rose down in uh, Dallas. You know, there's there's a whole bunch that, you know, they'll give you a glimpse that'll that'll at least make you curious. And I think okay. I think that is kind of maybe, maybe that's what you should way. do. Maybe like after you're done. Maybe you should start something like that, where you basically interview people and show them what the true lifestyle of a dentist really looks like. Oh, of course. Yeah. You know, because Definitely. maybe that might, I mean, you have the young followers that might get them excited about dentistry, but then you also have to be honest and say that dental school, like you said, right. You mentioned how tired you are. So how does a third year, like, what does it look like right now for a third year? Like how exhausted yeah. are you right now? <laughs> um. So, I mean, like, I, I Every school is different. My school, right. we have clinic in the morning and then we have class one to five. Every day is basically eight to five. Right. Um, you start the day off seeing a patient, you get a little lunch break, and then you got to sit in class for four hours. Um, my school basically mandates attendance for everything, including four clinic sessions a week out of the possible like five, since it's really only the morning session every day. Um, or my school is open on Saturdays, so there's two sessions on Saturdays if you want to do your attendance on the weekend. So um, you can you can see patients on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and you that's have faculty contributing there. to the exhaustion. Yes. And you have faculty that's there. Yes. That is see, it's so different because most people think that dentists don't ever work. <laughs> You're telling yeah. me that you guys have six days where you can see patients. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're seeing patients, stop. you're seeing patients. And then how many courses, how many credits are you taking on, for example, in undergrad, if you were taking 15 credits, that was normal. If you were taking yeah. 18, you were going above and beyond. How many credits are you taking right now? I don't know the exact number, but it's definitely in the thirties, maybe passing 40. Okay. <laughs> I know, I know last year out of the whole year we took, Oh, I can't even remember. I don't even remember these numbers. And this because... is a semester. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I so mean, like right now, I can tell you the list of classes we're taking just right now in the it's first It's all semester. good. The reason why I wanted yeah. to bring up the, the credit is because a lot of people think, oh, once you make it to your third year, fourth year, you're done. And it's almost like once you get to third or fourth year, not only are you dealing with patients, 
but you're also dealing with the classes. You have to be competent. So whatever you learn, let's just say you're doing root canals. There's a course on root canals. There's a lab maybe you're taking for root canal, <laughs> right? It just keeps going. And I want people to understand yeah. what you're going through, not to feel bad for you because you signed up for this. And I'm, I'm guessing you can agree on that, right? Yeah, of course. Right. But this is what you have to deal with to get to this point. And so I don't want people to think that, yeah, you know what? You 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 are going to earn that 150, 160,000 a year. <laughs> you're going to yeah. definitely earn it. Yeah, you're going to work for it. <laughs> right? You know, um so let me ask tuition. This is the the one topic that if anybody listens to the podcast, they know I cannot stand dental schools because I feel like they are ripping us off. This dental school, if 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 my investments in stocks gave me the same returns that dental school uh, tuition has gone up, I'd be a billionaire by now. Because literally from when I was a dental student and I was paying, you know, at University of Pittsburgh, I was probably paying like 25 to 30 a year. Right. Now, look at that. You're paying 70 to 80. Some schools are paying 100,000 a year, correct? Mm-hmm. Just Talk for about tuition. tuition. Talk about tuition and how how does that affect you? And do you even think about that at all right now? Um, I do. My the tuition at my school when I was a first year it was eighty five thousand. It is now up to ninety one thousand five hundred per year. Uh, Tufts down the street. I think they're maybe a little closer to a hundred k in tuition than we are. Um. I try not to think about it so much. I do have a scholarship through the school, um, a partial scholarship. So I, I try not to think about it too much, but I know that when I graduate, I know what the number looks like right now and it's not pretty and it's only getting larger. And eventually this YouTube scholarship might have to go towards some loans. <laughs> but, um, you know, my thing is I just... I trust that, you know, whatever I do, I won't I won't have to worry about it for too much longer. Um, I've never really I, I've met plenty of dental students that complain about tuition, but I've never really met dentists that complain about loans being too overwhelming. So I'm kind of riding on that for now. But I do know that one day I'm going to be. I'm going to be grateful that I was smart about my loans and didn't just take out a whole bunch of money so I could live life and be in dental school um, because it's, it's, it's super expensive. The cost of living in Boston also is one of the most expensive cities in America. Last time I looked, it was number two after San Francisco, still above New York and still above DC. And I believe it. So yeah, it's a lot. Tuition isn't the only factor. Do you think that dental students are smart when it comes to how much money they take out because they think, hey, I want to live that lifestyle? So do you think that they they expand themselves and stretch out like what, you know, if a school says, I'm going to give you 100,000 this year, do they say, sure, I'll take all 100,000 versus saying, how can I take the minimum so I can survive and just live comfortably? Yeah, I think um, they take it all. And I think part of it, Part of it may not necessarily be wanting to live a certain lifestyle while being in dental school. Some people just don't want to worry about scraping for penny to penny because they're already stressed enough with dealing with school. Money is another thing that's super stressful. And that might be something they just don't feel like, you know, having the burden of thinking about while they already have all this other stuff on their plate, which I understand. But some people just don't. Everyone doesn't think about finances the same. So I don't. I don't fault anyone for, you know, their mindset behind borrowing money. But um, if you're not smart now, it's going to it's going to bite you in the rear end later, in my opinion. Do you think that dental schools should teach a course in finance so that we're smarter when we come out? Of course. Um, Me personally, I, I. I am going to need a financial advisor a hundred percent. I just think that it, you know, we don't, and it's about the business as well. Like we just don't know enough about money. Most of us 
come from a math and science background, never really learned anything about business. We come to dental school and they're not really teaching us much more about it. Um, they'll teach you about practice management. They'll make you be an entire dental office while you're in the clinic instead of just the provider. Um, but it, it's so much learn as you go that you're you're bound to make mistakes if you're not really taught by someone. And I don't think that dental schools are up to par when it comes to teaching about finances or business practices in general. When it comes to dental students, one thing that I remember from when I was a student was everybody wanted to specialize or at least they came in. And think talking about specializing, right? Mm -hmm. How does that look now for you guys? Is it okay to be a general dentist, or is it I still want to specialize and be an orthodontist, be an oral surgeon, being this? And 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 do people actually talk about that in dental school? Um, most people don't talk about it. I guess maybe just with their close circle, it's still like that taboo thing that people don't like to put in the air or. I don't know. Part of it may be like they don't want people to see them as a gunner. Part of it may be, you know, they just don't want to put it in the air in case it doesn't work out. Um, but I do know a lot of people that came in like I want to do general dentistry. And that's that was that was their mindset. And I don't I don't think that changes. I think if anything, it changes from people coming in saying they want to specialize and then they say, uh, OK, I'm fine with general dentistry. And I think we know why they do that, too. But um, honestly, I wouldn't know. I, I kind of just don't. I only really talk to, like, my closer friends about that stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm really not sure. But people don't talk about it still. And I'm sure that's how it used to be as well. People, you know, they might say it one time, but they don't want it to be known. Because, you know, if they don't match, they don't want the embarrassment or whatever it might be. So, yeah. And it's so funny that it's such a secret still. And I mean, I graduated in 09. And I mean, you would have thought that my class was going to kill each other by the time we were done based on how much, how competitive we were, right? Really? And everybody wanted to specialize. Everybody wanted to specialize. And I, I remember I just was like, I just need to get out of this place. This place is is is, is ridiculous. These people are nuts, you know, yeah. <laughs> because like dental school just breeds so much contempt and just competition with each other. Instead of saying, yeah. you guys are all in this 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 pot of just crap together, you know, just get out. Yeah. <laughs> right. Instead, it's, oh, let me go ahead and rank you and let me play favors and so forth. And I think there's a lot to do with uh, the faculty. I don't think they help. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? I don't think uh, uh, older students help because they have their mm -hmm. favorites and they'll give this to their this person. And, and then they had their little clicks and groups and stuff. And so I honestly believe if dental students thought, okay, we're in this crap together, let's stay together and get out of this together. Whoever, because in the end, I know a lot of general dentists that actually make more than specialists more mm -hmm. because they found their niche, their, you know, aesthetic dentist, their, they do implants. They do. I mean, as a general dentist, I truly believe you could do whatever you want. It just takes a little more education. And, you know, one thing that this podcast tries to do is to basically bring that forward and say general dentistry and dentistry in general is what you make of it. I don't know why this message hasn't been brought to dental school or undergrad, but you don't have to yeah. specialize to live a good life. Trust me. You know, we had multiple people. Uh, Dr. Mack was just on recently, and that man is doing well. He's doing very well in, in, in Tampa, and he, he's an aesthetic dentist. I mean, doing 28, you know, um, veneers at, at three, four thousand dollars each. So he's, he's OK. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to be yeah. fine. Shout out to Dr. Mac, man. But, you know, in all honesty, let me just wrap it up with you by asking you one question. If you had to do this again, if you had to go through this again with what you know, would you do it differently or would you keep it exactly the same? That's a, that's a really tough question to answer because I one, I would not change my journey for anything. Um, I do believe I picked the right school for me. I'm 100% happy with my decision in where I went to dental school and my decision to pursue dentistry in general. Um, I, I understand that I took a few years off because of 
me not being as focused as I should have been in undergrad, but I feel like that led me to starting dentistry, well, starting dental school when I was ready or when I was mature enough to handle this kind of workload, this kind of stress, this kind of exhaustion. If there's anything I would change, I, I still do have that regret in the back of my mind when I sit there and I look at the tuition price and I see 91500 while my state school costs 26000 And um, because I didn't perform the best in undergrad, I was not afforded the opportunity to attend my state school. So maybe if I changed a few things, I would be at University of Maryland and uh, graduating with way less debt than I am. However, I think that it was probably a lot better that I went to Boston University. It's probably a lot better that I left my hometown, not only for school, but just for growth purposes in life. Um, and I, I can't worry about just the money where, I mean, I think that I chose the best school for me. So I don't think I would change anything. I wish I could change the price of my tuition, though. <laughs> That's it. Listen, uh, student Dr. Eli, I mean, honestly, what can I say? But I'm impressed. What can I say? But you're doing the right things, man. And you are meant to be where you're going to be. It is what it is. You know, you've done well. I've been following your journey. And I can honestly say that the future is bright. I am so negative sometimes when it comes to the future. I'll be the, I'll be the first one to tell you. I am so negative sometimes when it comes to the future. But then I talk to somebody like you. It's almost like whenever you feel just like beaten down and then you go on a mission trip and then you see how people will actually appreciate the work you do when you're outside the U.S. Uh, you know, this allows me to feel good because I've talked to someone like you who has now said to me, not only are they starting a scholarship, not only are they saying the past is the past. It is what it is. Let's just move forward. And that is just wisdom beyond your years. And I definitely appreciate you for that, man. You know, I, I, I thank you. And again, student Dr. Eli, just go check him out. I promise you, you would not be disappointed for any dental students or pre-dents. You need to do this because in the end, you guys are all in this together and motivation has to come from somewhere. Why not coming from uh, Eli, man? Eli, yeah. thank you, brother. I really appreciate you, man. Of course, of course. Glad to, glad to speak. So, thank you for listening to this episode of Tooth Be Told. The opinions on this episode are just that, our opinions. Please consult your dental professional before taking any action with your dental health. If you have any questions about anything you heard on this episode, please contact us at Real Dentist with an S. That's R-E-A-L, Dentist with an S, at gmail.com. We would be very happy to return any message that we receive because we love the communication that we have with our listeners.